podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. How does the offer of free beer sound to you? As a loyal listener of the show, we'd like to reward you with just that free beer. Uh, thanks to our friends at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash whistleblowers and for just four ninety five in postage, the rest of your beer will be free. What's more, the Whistleblowers listeners get an additional two extra free beers. So doing the mass, that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are essentially craft beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries that you can find. Uh, No surprise that they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, California, Finland and many more, but they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is they they don't hold you to ransom. There's no lock-in you can leave at any time. Uh, You basically order your eight beers, your ten beers in fact, see if you like it, and if so, subscribe. Jump in, jump off. Your first box will be sent to you the next day. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, which includes the theme and individual beers you'll receive and a cheeky snack is thrown in. Just go to beer52.com slash whistleblowers. That's beer52.com forward slash whistleblowers to get your first case of 10 beers for free. Well, another episode in the bag, Grits. Yep, 2020. 2020, boy. We touched with a bang. on all things January. Oh, no, we did some great stuff on the championship, which, which I quite enjoyed because we had yeah. a great guest today, didn't we? Yeah, we had Dan Trofer, been on a few times before. How many he, times is this? Oh, he, he was the one that got me on it initially. So, oh, right. Yeah, so he is a veteran. Wheels of the within wheels. A QPR fan. And we chatted through a little bit of Derby, a little bit of Leeds, a little bit Small of... Small bit of Derby. Yeah, a bit of championship chat. And then we talked about the transfer window for, for a while. Which you hate. Oh, I wouldn't give it away. Or love. We don't know yet. Stay um, tuned to find out. Yeah, and then <laughs> what else? We had the results from the weekend. I don't Basically, care. all the teams that aren't doing well, the teams yeah, are doing whatever, well. Yeah, man. This is good. This is good, clean stuff. Keep listening. Yeah. Tell your friends about it as well. And also tweet us at Football Podcast. I still can't believe we've got that handle. I know. How have we got... It's crazy. So you may as well use it. Tweet us at it. No one else does. Cheers. Welcome to the Whistleblowers. Uh, tonight it's myself and Mark Smith. Mark? Hello, yes it is. As always, it's, it seems like a little bit of a run for us. We, don't, uh, we haven't had consistent It's normally one of us attendance. is out, out yeah. injured or whatever. It's good. And we're, we're joined by a whistleblower, friend of the pod, um, regular author and QPR fan, Dan Trelfer. Dan. Hello. How's great it going? to have you here. Thanks. How's things? Very good. Yeah, apart from always losing at Brentford again. Apart from that, all yeah. Good. Sorry don't, to bring don't, that don't up. Don't bring up the negative stuff well, straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been Listen, a really fun few weeks for QPR. Dan, well, this was the point. That's why I invited him on last week, and Dan was busy, and now it's got to the point where he had to come on because you know we'd agreed <laughs> yeah. it, and and it's after a defeat. But this, yeah. it's a somewhat apt narrative because you always come on and have a good moan about QPR. So yeah. Why don't we start there? You've got you've got ten minutes of pure <laughs> ten minutes. Pure Dan Trafford time. Yeah. 
Well, it, well, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a massive moan, actually, Good. because I was away for the two games. <laughs> I was away for New Year, so I missed us trounce. Conquered. Cardiff 6-1. Conquered yeah, yeah, yeah. Wales. Conquered Wales in, in a, inside a week. Yeah, 6-1 and then 5-1 against Swansea in the Cup. Sensational. So the 6-1 was just, uh, you know, by all accounts, brilliant performance. The 5-1 just had three or four of the most outstanding uh, goals. Unbelievable yeah. finishes. But it was their own kind of goal of the round at Loftus Road, of course, uh, What's his name at Liverpool got best goal, but we all know that Josh Scones was better than that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I just got back to miss all of that, but I thought, it's all right, I'm going to Brentford, you know. And uh, I say that, but I'll be honest, I knew what that score was going to be. Absolutely nailed on 3-1. They are, they are a good side. A, they're a good side, and B, we are absolutely... If they could design a team who they would like to play... <laughs> it would be us. It'd be like, yep, we're going to do loads of attacking and both our fullbacks are going to push right up the pitch and we're not really bothered about defending and our midfielders won't really do much and all our, all our front players are quite small so you can really dominate them. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect, Perfect opponents. Well, where so, had you been to miss the two games that were... It was in uh, Romania for New Year. Oh, so it's worth yeah. it then. You went somewhere yeah, exotic and fun. Yeah, it was good, yeah. But, you know... A, on balance. But you've come back and you've crashed back to reality yeah. with a predi- what you say is a predictable score at Brentford. Yeah, um, how do you see it going from here on in though for QPR? For us, I think uh, it'll be the same as it's been all season. We'll have some really good results. We'll score lots of goals. We'll let in more goals. We've, uh, we've, it's a really good stat actually that we've, I think we're only one goal away from uh, letting in as many goals through set pieces as Brentford have in total of all the goals they've let in all season <laughs> oh dear yeah we're not so, so we're well that's that's yeah. easily fixed isn't it just get a good centre half in they're easy to come by apparently exactly. yeah <laughs> loads yeah. of them get a pot yeah, of yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like Brentford well, exactly while we're million. on championship Mark just yeah. Derby talk to me uh, Rooney we've talk got talk to you um, well Rooney's playing uh, more regularly yep. and seems to be doing well I think he's doing he started pretty well he seems to have a that leadership quality that we've been missing a little bit over the last probably a couple of seasons, if I'm being mm. honest. Um, if he's going to, you know, kick on and, and, and do more going forward, as in, not just in the future, as in going forward, literally on the pitch. On the pitch, yeah. Um, I think it's yet to be seen. I would doubt it. I think he's, he's settled on this more deep-lying playmaker role, which is fine, but our, our results have been okay. We went and got a draw at Borough last minute. Equaliser from Dwayne Holmes. Dwayne Holmes, by the way, someone to watch out for. He's very small in stature, centre midfielder, plays for America as well. He's absolutely fantastic. Oh, good to know. And I would, uh, yeah, if you get a chance to watch Derby, keep an eye on him. But I think in months, or definitely seasons gone by, that Middlesbrough game was dead and buried at 2-1 down with a minute left. And and now I feel like we've got a bit of impetus. Yep. And that's uh, that's that's the hardest thing to get in football, especially in, in divisions like the Championship, where it's just constant. If you can get a yeah. bit of uh, momentum, just well, do what you can to not lose it. Well, famously, Derby, I, I, you know, not not bottlers. That'd probably be a hard word, but uh, <laughs> they fade in the second half of the season, much like much the boys like, at the top. Absolutely. I mean, West Brom haven't won in in five. Well, and I'm, Leeds yeah. are starting to do a Leeds. Are they? Do, yeah. Dare yes. I say that? It was yeah. Cardiff that always used to do it, wasn't it? it Under was, Dave yeah. Jones, and now it's uh, yeah. Now it looks like Leeds might as well. Yeah, I mean Bielsa. I mean, no one in this room, I think, uh, regards Bielsa as anything other than a fantastic manager. But he does like to operate with a smaller squad, a thinner squad. You know, a team that you can rotate very easily. 
is that good enough for the championship? Though I mean, these games is it? It's not. Just, I'm not just saying this, am I? Great. Championship is a tough, tough division. Right? Yeah, it's, but there's a trend. I mean, give it a couple of games because I think the big thing for them was emotionally drained after that Arsenal yep. game, which mm. they should have won, and then they've kind of carried that psych psych. Ecology, maybe of, the, of not being able to score into yeah, yeah. the game at Sheffield Wednesday because by all accounts they, they commanded yeah, a lot of that. Yeah. I think they'll still go up. Yeah, they'll still go up. They're that, brilliant. Yeah, but, well, let's let's wait and see because the hunting pack is uh, the good football teams as well and are good clubs and the championship has got a trend of teams coming from. So Daniel yeah, Brentford, yeah. Do, do you see them as a team that could really challenge the season? I, I think they might because. I think almost the only reason they're only third now is because they had a really bad start in about their first nine games. So I, I, I haven't looked, looked at it, but their form since then must be top two form. Yeah. And there isn't... I mean, we're an easy side for some teams to play against, the way we play. We're very open. But watching Brentford on Saturday, there, there isn't really much that you could point as, to as a weakness. They've got no. two great fullbacks. They've got two big, strong centre-backs. They're good in midfield. They've got three fantastic forwards. Um, ben Rama and Watkins and Mbwemo uh, mm. I'm saying that right um, you know they're all of them all three of them really dangerous and you just think I think they could easily maybe sneak up as automatic they're definitely in the playoffs so they're a brilliantly run club as well I mean yep. the, the, you listed off three forwards there let's not forget only recently did they lose Neil Mopé mm. who was superb at that level superb for that side they've got a real good network of scouts there obviously the whole club from top to bottom. Or oh, the ground. Seems to, yeah, when do they move it in? I was going to say. I mean, moving ground but, next but season, yeah. They're moving to a new ground. It looks great from the A40 whenever I go past it. I'll look forward to going there. Will they lose something, though, in moving from Griffin Park, moving from, you know, what's been home for so long, a tight ground with the crowd right on top of you? Are you going to lose a, a bit of that, a bit, a bit of edge by moving to a brand new ground? We've seen it happen before with Southampton at the Dell and we have various clubs. Do you think that's an issue or do you think this is just another totem in the progress of, of uh, Brentford? They should be all right. I mean, it's, it was interesting being there on Saturday because I was there with my friend and we were just saying, this is like going back in time. It's been a long time. You're, you're standing, you're still standing there. I don't know how they managed to swing that. You're still standing behind the ground. And the whole ground, looked, it felt like going to a game right in the late 80s or the early 90s. It was, and it was a massive post just right in front of me. Just right yeah, in front of me. Yeah, I saw your tweet. <laughs> just, I, I mean, it was, was... I was right near the goal. This is a yeah, post at the front well of the well in terrace. play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, well so, I don't like to bring it up, lads, but the last time I was there, it was Chesterfield 1-0, Gritton, uh, oh, 2009. Yeah. You know, not that I've... I was going to I've had that, many yeah. away days like that, but yeah, that was... I suppose that was League 2, so, I mean, they've we done the pretty winner. well. Yeah, it was 1-0. Oh, 1-0, lads. It was a nice goal as well. Little Explain it to us in All detail. Took it early, took it early outside the box, just side-footed it into the bottom corner, but the keeper was expecting me to take a touch, so he was rooted to the yes. spot, and I just flipped it. I'll probably try and link it to this... Because yeah. uh, I'm getting a bit beggy like that on social now. Yeah, just that's to, getting just desperate, don't want it. Yeah, it is, but you know, I want to remember this this fantastic career that I. Mm. Uh... If you're going to boast about, <laughs> if you're going to boast about Griffin Park uh, or Gritsin Park, as it should be called. Uh, I, last time I was there, I'd wangled my way into the director's box, uh, ah. <laughs> Griffin Park, and it's really, really small. Like the the nice little area is tiny, and it was uh, Joe Cole was in there. And I was like, oh, oh a bit, is, this, bit is, this dream, is this some kind of mushroom dream? It could have been. Yeah. It could have been. But it was why, amazing. Why were you it was in three, three you old, explain why you were there. Uh, because I'm a very important man in uh, <laughs> the UK football scene. Why was Joe Cole there? Well, more, to the, more to the point. 
if, if he was, I mean, as Martin said, <laughs> was he there? But it was, non- it was a three-all game Derby-Brentford. It was, it was one of the best games I've ever been to. I'd, I'd like to add on your point, Mark. You're talking about what would they lose. It's funny how quickly at that level grounds, like sort of gate Chesterfield, when, that was our last season there. And they moved into the whatever it's known as now, but it's a nice new stadium. It's amazing how quickly fans do forget it. I know Brentford have got that... There's a certain charm in the pub on every corner, and yeah, there's a, you yeah, know yeah. there's a nice and there's nice going there. But the big stumbling block for them recruiting players when they were at our level, uh, it was certainly League Two level, was being able to pay wages mm. for players of that level in London. So yeah. imagine you you're bringing a player down, they're living wages. Say you're on five grand a week or whatever, it doesn't go very far in London, no. and compared to other clubs, and I know that sounds crazy for a Championship club who probably don't have to worry about that now. But the scope for that new ground bringing in a lot of income. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, they've, as, as Mark said, they're, they're so well run and they just make huge profits on the players that they sell. So that's why last summer they were able to go yeah. out and spend a load of money. But it's money that they've got. It's not like, yeah. oh, we're investing in the club. Going, no, no, we just sold a load of players, yeah. so we'll go and spend it now. So. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is with, with this new ground is that if there's any floating voters around there, anyone in the area who you know, might not be a Chelsea fan, well, they've got QPR or they've got Brentford. And if your choice is as a first-time football fan, to go to Loftus Road, which I love, by the way. I'm not going to go to it, but it is a real old-school ground. Or you're going to take your kids and and missus to, to the brand-new Brentford Stadium. Well, I think that, I know which one might be winning there. Well, yeah. we've insulted Dan enough tonight. Let's not, <laughs> yeah. rub, let's not rub it in any yeah. further. Well, uh, that did hurt. I have, I have enjoyed it. Was. Yeah, I know. I was like, he's just standing there getting pummeling. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I preface it by saying I love Loftus Road, but I'm saying I know if you I'm going to take a, it, a child it was, there. it was scant consolation for Dan. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, we've got, we've got I mean, a friend, me and Gritz, and he, um, he won't go to Loftus Road because I took him once and he was he's almost crippled because of there's so little leg room where yeah, I sit. Yeah. So, he, he just won't go. So, you know, he's, he's an example. Well, so it, you're saying yeah. I'm absolutely correct? Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, <laughs> it's yeah. nice to take a look at the championship, uh, uh, particularly for for uh, uh, well QPR and and other teams that uh, that our listeners are supporting, obviously. But what have we got in the shape of the Premier League chat? This we got. We're in the middle of a transfer shitstorm, as the, usual. We've got the transfer window. Um, we'll talk about we'll talk about what I think of that in a minute. But who needs what? Let's start at the top of the Premier League. What do Man City need? <sighs> need Liverpool to come down with some kind of biblical <laughs> yeah. illness. Liverpool to sell all the players. <laughs> that's what well, I mean, that's a, you know, that I, it's, I hate when people say, oh, it's the, chapter, the championship is over. Sorry, I was slightly off topic. But it yeah. is, because I was looking at it. Liverpool would have to lose about six games. It's insane. And Man City would have to win every single game for the rest yeah, of the no, season. No, no more points. So, I mean, it is, it's over. Done. There's absolutely no chance. And, and it's incredible that we've started this and not gone, oh my God, Liverpool have won 20 out of 21. Yeah. We're just taking it as red. So Liverpool fans, every, every episode, apologies. Right? Yeah, yeah. We're not, we, we, we would gush over your team, but we, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll get round to that in the coming weeks. There really is, this is the thing, I'll, I'll address this like you just have, but there is no point in doing that because it is now, There's no value. I hate to say it, but it's boring. Yeah. Liverpool are so good mm. and so far ahead of everywhere, everybody it's else. It's great. It's on, this, this, this is going to be the team. We talked about the Invincibles of, of Arsenal. We talked about Man City breaking 100 points. All this sort of stuff. Liverpool are going to do all those things in one season. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's unreal. And it's made those other clubs look like they run really shit, which they are. Man City are one of the best good. run clubs in the world. Yeah, but but that, I don't think it's made them look crap. I think it's made Man United. I think it's made Arsenal. Yeah, I think right. it's made, and Tottenham. there's reasons for yeah. those clubs not to be run necessarily as well in Chelsea. But... <laughs> 
Come on. So they what we're so saying far is, off. for the transfer window, Liverpool don't need anything. No. no. They're, they're sorted. Don't, don't disrupt any harmony. They're a perfectly ordered machine. They've got an 18-year-old complaining you can't get in the side yeah. ahead of uh, Mane, haven't they? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Man City, I would say, they need a centre-back. Yeah. Uh, United need to become sort of relevant well, somehow got again. got coming back. You know, that'll be like a new player. Uh, I, I just, I genuinely don't think, I think City just need, he needs to find a nice rotation and I think they could win the Champions League quite easily. I disagree about that. Well, that's good to know. I think they might win the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. two against one, is it? Mm. Yeah, well, it's not, that's not how games are won. It's generally on the pitch, but in terms mm. of opinions. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Tell me more about this football. <laughs> Mark, uh, Tottenham, what do they need? Tottenham, oh. I, I don't know. I heard someone else say this the other day. So this isn't my original uh, opinion, but it's a very good, pithy idea. Someone said that um, Pochettino is three players off winning the league and Jose is five players off having a team as good as Poch's. <laughs> and that, that's what seems to have happened. Ooh. Yeah. Because it feels like immediately, okay, Harry Kane's injured. There's, I mean, you could apportion a bit of that blame to Jose, playing him 90 minutes every week for a player who does have a history of injuries, a muscle injury in particular. Um, especially over the Christmas period where there's, you know, three games yeah, yeah, a week. Yeah. Yep. But you can't really blame him too much, maybe, for that. What you can blame him for is the fact that he's had players already look like a sh- shadow of their former selves. He's only been there for three months. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Dan, what do you think? What, what, is, what does Jose need to do at Spurs I in mean, this window, assuming he has money to spend? Yeah. I mean, I, w- I watched the game on Sunday and it was, it was quite scary how different the two sides were compared to this time last year when both of them were Very true. tearing it up, you know, and, and, you, and you just thought, God, Liverpool has suddenly gone one way and Spurs have gone the other. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know. Well, obviously they need a striker because it, you, you need, you know, if Harry Kane's injured, they haven't really got anybody. They needed that before Kane got injured. They, needed, they needed that before. So, but this is a terrible time to try and buy a striker. So I can't see them doing that unless they get, yeah. you know, United are looking at Cavani, weren't they? That, that would be a nice loan sign for Spurs, wouldn't it? Or Some, even like, a, like, like you look at Danny Ings, look at Zaha, you look at Goldfred. You look at Zlatan. Put, well, I don't know. You? I'm not. I mean, yeah. if I'm Jose with a, with a, a good relationship with Zlatan, wouldn't have been a bad shout. He's, he's going to be there for six months. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he can he still do the job? Probably. He's probably the fittest 38 year old in the world. On his debut against uh, uh, for AC Milan at the weekend, he clocked up the third quickest <laughs> run in the league at 38. The wow. third fastest sprint. So the guy is. Unbelievable. And I think maybe it's to do with the agent that he's got and the agent that Jose's got, which is why they didn't get together. But he could have plugged a hole. He could have done something yeah. for them. Interesting point. Uh, Chelsea, they're back in the market now. They've got an opportunity to maybe push on. But I, I, would do you think Lampard's doing the right thing by sticking with the youth? Yeah, I'd, I think he's doing it. Because, then, you know, they're not going to come third or second this year, barring a, barring a miracle. I think they're better off sticking with what he's got. And then it's a bad time to buy and they don't need to buy now, yep. I don't think. They've got a good chance of getting the Champions League, haven't they? So yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, what, he's not going to... You know, he's a young manager. I cannot see him... The, the, if they want to buy someone, they need to buy someone big, someone who's going to make a real difference. Yeah. And I can't believe that Lampard's going to go, right, my first big buy at Chelsea's going to be 50 million quid for, you know, whoever. Well, also, if, if, if Lampard starts spending money, which I'm not sure they have, actually, because... Abramovich has put in 250 million quid of his own money in the last year mm. and they released the finances last week and it just shows how much money they are essentially pissing away. Yeah. Um, but Lampard, once he starts spending money, that's a new dimension of his management mm. that people can poke a stick at mm. and say, right, we're going to scrutinise you now because you're spending money. Yep. So up to this point, it's been, it's not been easy for him by any means, but it's been a blessing in disguise, the transfer ban, particularly given that he's got this batch of young players coming through and it'd be 
mad, in my opinion, for him to start going and doing that, of spending 50 yeah, million quid on a player. So maybe, maybe nothing happens this month. Maybe he waits for people to go out the door before he brings someone else in. Yep. But, um, he's got some good young players to work with. Oh, he's got some great young players. Reese James, by the way. Oh, he's amazing. The night I saw him against Grimsby, when he, he scored from the edge of the box, he didn't put a foot wrong in yeah. the quality. Just He reminded me of the the way Alexander-Arnold influences a game from fullback. He had that sort of influence, you know, yeah. overlapping. Well, also, he played in, in centre-mid mid in the championship, yeah. didn't he? And I think that, that helps. Clark. You know, he's only got to get ahead of... Carl Walker, Kieran Trippier, Wan Bissaka, <laughs> yeah. all, all of those guys for the, for the fullback. It's been that long ago, England didn't have any fullbacks. I know, now we've now got a billion of them. Got, yeah. uh, quick look at Leicester. Uh, well, rather aptly, Storm Brennan hits the shores. Is there a storm brewing for <laughs> Brendan, lads? I mean, like, is he going to be able to get out of this sort of funk that he's in? Because I think they've just hit a bit of a blip, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I, th- I think they'll be fine. I think it's, it's a bit of a blip, but you've... You, it, he's since he got there it's been sort of great for a year hasn't it he had a tiny sort of blip right at the beginning yeah and then i think it was always coming and i think they've not out got of a that huge and, squad have they no and i think he'll look to probably buy in the summer but i can't believe he's going to be desperate to get anyone and there's in no now. chance of the likes of madison leaving now no um maybe in the summer yeah, I mean, maybe. I think Madison's great. And, and yeah. another one for England is, is the fact that we've now... I say we, Martin, sorry about that. But we, as England supporters, have now got a number of number 10s that we could yep. yeah. we could go for. Oh, we I never had that t- two years ago. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a, a, an embarrassment of riches. Listen, we'll, we'll talk about the rest of the league when we come back. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. Welcome back to The Whistleblowers. Uh, We're here, as ever, with me, Mark Smith, Martin Gritton. Hello, Mark. And Dan Trelfer. Um, Before the break, we were talking about who needs what in the transfer window. Uh, and it was very entertaining, guys. Really good stuff. Um, but Thanks, Dad. Now I want to talk about the transfer window itself, because I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of the idea of having this uh, limited, limited amount of time to improve your squad or get rid of players. I sort of like the old way we did it, where you could do it whenever you wanted. Okay, fair enough. You might want to put a, a limit on that by the end of the season so players can't get bought and sold in the title run-in or relegation run-in. What I really hate about it is the... The, the tabloid side of it, the sensationalism of it. When we all know, surely we all know by now, we're all grown men, we're not 14, 15-year-olds, which I, I get that is an exciting part of football for those guys. But we understand that if a player is being touted as going to you know, Man United or wherever, it's normally either the agent has planted that story or it's literally just been made up. It doesn't, it's come from, yeah. from nothing. And the language they use, you know, how they, they're swooping for a player. And the window, it doesn't shut, does it? Yeah. It slams shut. <laughs> and it's just so sensationalist and just boring. And I, I just really, I've started to, I think it's my old age, I've really this started to hate this it. This is just a no, monologue. It's, it's an absolute guys. monologue. But yeah. this is the worst bit. <laughs> I'm still absolutely invested in it. 
I still, I still <laughs> read everything. You it's have a, to be though. Something happens in my brain. The endorphins kick in. It's like oh, great little rush. Point, Who's Darby going to sign? Who are Darby going to sign? What do you think of it, Chris? It's the same. Look, it's the same bollocks as we've been dealing with all week the, with the Royals. The the they need something to write about so they'll generate the, their own circus around it. So the tabloids have always they've been like this forever, haven't they? It's just it's slightly more transparent or maybe it's just us getting older and just go, this is all a bit tedious. But, but there's so much of it now. We used to have to phone up a £1 an hour, £1 a minute <laughs> yep. transfer hotline yep. to tell us, Derby County are looking at signing. What are you wearing? Yeah, those sort of Sorry? phone lines. No, they're much more expensive than the pound a minute. Oh, yeah. Well, the pound a minute, guys, must be not good, Chris. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't know. Dan, um, what are your thoughts on the transfer? I, I, I sort of checked out of it a bit, actually. You're sort of saying you still watch it. I, I, I'm at the point well, now. Watch it, read it. You can't, I don't think you can escape it. I don't think you can escape it. No, 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 you can, because you're, basically, I think you're, Twitter feed or your news feed, what you get, Dan, probably you just don't watch Sky Sports News Yeah, because yeah, I used to watch Sky Sports News quite a bit and I almost never watch it now. And then I I don't really read transfer gossip columns. And, you know, I see occasionally things trending on Twitter and I go, oh, what's that about? But genuinely, especially at the beginning of the football season, I'll be watching Match of the Day or a live game or something like that. And I'll go, oh, I didn't know he was playing for them now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd actually miss the transfers. That's very Not true. The, because I've, I've just, I just don't care anymore because I just no, got to the point where it's just like, no one talks about football anymore. Right. You're absolutely no, right. Everyone absolutely talks about right. transfers. But I, like, like, I do like that about podcasts. I like the fact that most people, that, that the podcast, football podcasts, yeah. listen, they don't really ask about the transfers. Yes. They talk about the big okay, ones. Okay, but, but this, is, this is the other thing, is that if we were to do every week during the off-season, if we were to do a, a transfer section, gossip section, where we literally just wrote, we just read out the gossip from the BBC column or the Sun or whatever, that would be a very popular thing to do. Our, our ratings would go right up because people do like that. They you love know. that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah and it's sad. I think that's quite sad. However, again, having said all of that, there's nothing quite like... 10 to midnight on transfer deadline or whatever it is seeing like a green image of a new player in the back of a yeah, car exactly. on his way to Derby's training ground One you know, of the it's Sky exciting. Sports presenters getting a dildo shoved in his ear by some <laughs> yeah in a yellow tie Stoke yeah exactly yeah. so there is that I don't know I, I, maybe it's just me getting older but let's just get rid of the window I think you know what as well the deadline getting rid of that would also get rid of a lot of this Sensationalism, I think. Well, maybe just we just don't have one in January. Maybe it's just you just you got your squad beginning of the season or end of August or whatever, and then go. That's it. I think that's too dangerous, too risky for clubs. I think feels slightly unfair on players because you could yeah. you could you know manager gets sacked in September, you're well, this, out of the team through no fault of your own, and then you go. Well, I'm not going to be playing for a year now, and there's nothing. Well, this is the slight conundrum you have because as a team, you have to agree things with the league up front. So your bonus schedule. So basically, you can't skew things. So if you started doing really well in the cup, you can't suddenly all of a sudden go right. You're all on ten grand a bonus each if you get through to the next round. You know, if you're a league one or two team, all your bonuses have to be set. Likewise, I mean, the protection of that is the cup tied player. So the fact that if you you can't just sign all the best players and play them in your cup team to win yeah, the cup. Right. For the league, they don't have those protections. So you could essentially go, we're in the shit. Let's, it's, as a Premier League team, we'll get 100 and, I think it's about 150 million in broadcast rights if we stay up. So let's spend 100 million Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. we don't go down, and then yeah, just yeah, sign yeah. players to. And what they'll do is they'll just mess up the club's finances just to stay up to get that fifty mil. You know, it's like yeah. you, you'll end up getting those situations. I do believe that there should be a slightly better way of doing it than now. But I just be. don't think that opening at all seasons is a wise one. 
Maybe, okay, well, maybe, just, do maybe don't ban the... <laughs> Maybe don't ban the window, just ban everyone talking and about it. And that's why I'm out. It's, right. Yeah, it's not so much... Yeah, <laughs> just to clarify, the window does suck a little bit for me, but it is more the, the song and dance around yeah. it. I'm just bored of that. No, exactly. Anyway, Martin, you want to talk about something more substantial? I believe it is Nigel Pearson and his oh, well, genuinely unbelievable start. I love Nigel Pearson. I've always loved Nigel Pearson. I think his post-match... His post matches are great. He's just this the whole emu thing when he was ostrich, t- ostrich same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, lo- I, I do love him, and he just looks like. Are you an ostrich? He looks like your mate's dad, you know. And yeah. you're like, you're like, what are you doing around here, Martin? And um, just <laughs> giving you, you just looks very, in- very interesting insight into what your mate's dad say to you. <laughs> well, have you snuck in here, Martin? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. I was banned from most of the houses. Yeah. Um, but he has that kind of air of this, uh, and it's almost, it feels weird, it feels like the Premier League had moved on from him, you know, but yeah. Yeah. we're back, and yeah. he's in his gilet again, it's lovely. It's in, I heard Ben Watson talking about him, and he was saying that basically, one, one he's, he's all over absolutely everything, like from, you know, what time coaches leave, you know, uh, to go to away games, and like what time they eat, and blah, 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 and he said, the last few managers they've had there are just like, it's just the on-the-pitch stuff, whereas right. he's o- over everything, that's the first thing. And second thing, he's like, it's discipline, and he said a lot of our we've got we've got good players, but they just like they need some kind of you know they need the parameters, and he's brought those in, and you know you cannot go outside those parameters, yeah. otherwise he just won't play you. He's going, yeah. you. Do that, you're out of the team. Yep. and he's, and he says it's just made a massive difference. And he's and Ben Watson, more probably more of an old school player. Yep. he's going. That's what we needed, and I, and I love it. But whether that's sustainable long term, I don't know. But well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, at, at Leicester, let's not forget. The season they stayed up with him was also the season they then went on to... Yes. Yep. The to, platform. To, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah, platform yeah. was there. So, well, I mean, at the end of that season, to be, you know... I mean, they at one point looked like they were going to go down, but at the end of that season, last sort of six games, they were playing the sort of football they then, they then played absolutely. from the beginning of the next season. From one manager then who has, has shown that sacking a manager when you're in trouble can provide this bounce back, to the opposite with Southampton and Hasenhutl, who... Has ended up. He kept his job after the, the Leicester mauling, the nine nil, and he's actually shown that the other way can work as well. Sticking with the manager can also provide some sort of bounce back. I mean, Hassan Hutter, what do you think of that? Oh, um, absolutely! I think it's one of the stories of the season. Yeah, I love it, and I love the the kind of the the balance of the fact that it was Leicester that done them nine nil, and we spoke. Yeah quite extensively about that you know that Friday night horrible match for it, it was horrible to watch because Leicester were enjoying it too much you know 8-0 9-0 I quite but, enjoyed it you know no listen it was more like that you know that scene from The Simpsons it's like he's already dead yeah, you know exactly. just leave him yeah. but, the, but at the same time Vardy's Vardy running away for the ninth yeah. and going for it and you know, it just it just made you like a little bit. I hate it. Just, I hate, it. Just, I hate that. Yeah, but then them doing them and doing them in a way that like Ings was Ings is phenomenal. And I, I hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, he's just he's having one season, or he's he's like, you know, he's he's just in form at that." He's going all right for a start. It's the goals that he scored, the reason he scored so many, he scored five tap-ins because he's brilliant. No, this is what I'm saying is, yeah, yeah. I'm. He is in a lucky streak, but the goals that haven't been tapping have been unbelievable. He's pressing. He's the difference. Having a striker like that that pulls everything along yeah. with them. He, he, there's a reason why Liverpool signed him in the first place. I, yeah, yeah. I know He's, this wasn't peak Liverpool as it is now, but they a top club signed him. They saw something in him. It only was an injury that, that stopped him becoming what probably would have been an England regular, certainly squad regular. I'd have him in the England squad now, 
Um, even if Absolutely, Harry Kane is, is yeah. back in, I think it's Kane, Abraham and him are the three, if we're excluding Vardy, which I assume he's not coming back. Ings has been brilliant. The game against Leicester, I love it because the, the 9-0 then to overturn it, it's still three points, right? Whether it's 1-0 yeah, or 9 exactly. it's still three yeah. points. But having said that, Southampton could have scored six or seven in that game. Yeah. They hit the crossbar cross twice. Beautiful effort as well. They had a goal disallowed for offside, I think. Yeah. All, all sorts of stuff was going on. A couple of DC saves from Schmeichel. Yeah, ri- yeah, I just thought they were fantastic. And for a team to come back and have their... Have their... Um, have the balls, really, to come back after a mauling yeah. like that. Mm. And apparently Leicester were playing the highlights of that 9-0 in the stadium before the game. <laughs> That's oh, classic. Oh, ex- extra special. I mean, Gris, I don't know if yeah, this, is, yeah. this actually happens, but we always hear the thing oh, of yeah. a manager... Stick it up in the team. Sticking yeah, up yeah. the yeah. Does, does well, that, yeah, happen, that happen or not? like that. Yeah, I mean, if you had a manager that knew how to work a printer, most of us didn't, <laughs> but you needed <laughs> one. It. it would either be like one cutout that he'd saved from the week, and it yeah. would always be the other manager saying something stupid. It happened loads of times, though. And now, in this current age... I always, when I go and do commentary now, and like when Plymouth, Plymouth had a real stoic manager, uh, Derek Adams, um, who would just never say anything nice. And he'd always end up saying something that just antagonised. It's always Portsmouth he antagonised, who were a team that ended up obviously going on to better things in Plymouth. I was just like, why'd you do that? Why would you just invite that? Oh, yeah. Well, you, the amount of managers QPR I've had over the years have done that. You must have just been like, why <laughs> yeah. did you say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happens all the time, doesn't it? I mean, I thought... The, I, oh, it must be amazing to be in that Southampton dressing room afterwards because just like just satisfaction of just like yeah, yeah brilliant like, absolutely and you what, got, what a comeback and the quality you got like lads like Ward Prowse you know I know Gineppo didn't play but Gineppo the lad um, he, he's been sensational whenever he's I've seen world, him like, he, yeah, he's got a worldie season. and he's, when he's come on and people have talked about him in shades of manner you know the quality yeah. he brings and the explosive power that he's got so maybe you know they've got a few players that and, and they are a club who's got a very rich history recent history at least producing, of, of yeah. producing these players or, or identifying young players and bringing them through so I mean it's gone from Watford and Southampton being almost nailed on to go oh. down to them both looking pretty it's safe yeah. Southampton are now seven points clear yeah. of, of the drop zone I mean I oh, well you know yeah. well done to the Southampton board because a, a lot of ma- a lot of fans we talk, you know we were talking before about fans today when we lost um, 6-0 to Newcastle a few seasons ago people saying well, the manager's got to go you, you can't come back from that mm. and, and now we're at the stage now where one result it's madness. Could cost you your job. And this proves you can bounce yeah. back from yeah. it. You can get it, get it back, you know. From, from what I hear, the reason he kept his job at Southampton was that there, there was no director of football and Hassan Hootel has a lot of control over the whole yeah. club. And maybe for that reason, they weren't sure they could get rid of a guy who was essentially propping up the entire organisation. So maybe that's what helped things on, on, in that situation. But also, they've right, just th- been still... going through managers, haven't they? At yeah. some point, you have to stick with someone. And... Well, that's definitely... And you also think that perhaps there's value in th- that manager then having the mentality to, I want to prove everyone wrong. You know, because some... It'd be easy for him to walk away as well. Because it's yeah. easy for managers to maybe take a payday. Anyway, I'm moving on to uh, another team that have perhaps defied the odds this season, who did well on... Uh, what was it? Friday night? They pl- No. Did they play Friday, Friday night? Because yeah, there was a game on Saturday, Swansea-Cardiff. There was. There was. And who did we see in the crowd, Mark? We saw little Ollie McBurney. <laughs> wow. Or is, Goldie-looking uh, McBurney, as the, I call him after that. The, uh, as the, the QPR website, uh, unofficial website guy, calls him Tartan McScotsman. <laughs> <laughs> he, so the, the story that, that came out, I think it was yesterday or 
we're, we're recording this on a Tuesday, so it must have been Monday morning, wasn't it? The, the story came out that McBurney had been pictured in the Swansea end of the Cardiff game. On the sesh. On the sesh, with his mates, you know, fine. But the story revolved around him doing, essentially, the wanker sign at the Cardiff fans. <laughs> and people have kicked off about this. And I really don't know why. I honestly, I understand, okay, they've got more responsibility because they get paid a lot of uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But he's a young lad who is connecting to the club he supports with his mates, getting involved in it. If you're a smart person, you know that all of this sort of stuff in football should be taken as pantomime. I don't actually hate Robbie Savage, but it's a to and fro. It's a joke. He, he, he plays up you. to it. He hates you. I think he probably does. Yeah. But it's a to and fro. It's, it's an exchange. He's the bad guy. He plays the bad guy. Ah, wanker, whatever. Mm. But we know it's... It's only idiots who, who, who that spills over for and they become actual people who hate these players. This is the same thing with McBurney. All he's doing is playing along. It's a little wanker symbol. That's, that's all it is. I don't see what the big issue is. Particularly when we're in a, a, a period of history in football where we are constantly annoyed at the fact there's no characters anymore and that professionalism is killing the game. And then when one guy comes along who actually does have a little bit of character, a bit of personality, we then try and jump down his throat and, and call him out for literally doing nothing wrong, as far as I can tell. Well, most players that show a bit of personality, you get that section of fans who just want to put them back in their box and go, well, who, who do yeah, you think yeah, you are? Right, exactly. So, but yeah, I, I don't think you're, you're dead right. The, the whole thing about fans, I'm sure, I'm sure he was getting a bit of stick from Cardiff fans. Fans just sort of there going, we paid our money, we can say whatever we like. You cannot react in any way, otherwise we're being incited. Yeah. is ludicrous, and I'll, I'll never understand that. You know, till the no. day I die, it's crazy. Those matches as well. There's a, there's a certain sauce between the Cardiff and Swansea yeah, ones that get, it must be. And also, let's not forget, he scored on Friday. I, you scored a goal in the Premier League. The guy, the kid, probably didn't even think he was going to be in the Premier League yeah. a year ago, and just thinking, my God, he scored in the Premier League on a Friday night. Gets to go to Cardiff, Swansea with his mates. Get to wear a bucket hat and a Stone Island golden black. Uh, what was it? Yeah, sort of yeah, Parker. Yeah. I mean, Amy looked a bit like a Berlin, but I, like, I, did, I, like I the way admired he it. No, I love. You know it. what? If, if the story had been that he was in the in the Swansea end and he was actually jacking off, that's a different thing. <laughs> but he's what? just doing the wanker symbol. <laughs> Well, and even that, you know what? Even if he was jacking off, I'm still behind you 100%, Ollie McBurney. I've not seen you so animated since the first half. Mark. I've got my top off, Mike, for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Can you put your top back on, please? I know it's warm in here. Um, but do you agree with me on, on, on the pantomime aspects of that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it goes back to the sensationalism of uh, the media and then looking for a story and then it just being perfect. Because also, if that had happened when... Or, or say that would happen when there wasn't any other games on or so, but essentially that's because it, because they played on the Friday night it was a story do you know what I mean if he'd have gone on a Tuesday night or something else you don't always it literally was perfect because there was loads of football on they were like oh here's a nice little thing that will lead us into the afternoon's matches mm. it's him just being a bit of a bell end in the crowd because Sky Sports News put it on their feed put it on Loads the TV put, right. it was just everywhere and you're just like well they've got nothing else to well, pump rolling out news, you've you got to fill yeah. rolling news or something this is it so mm. there's, there's an element of that it was just unfortunate at the timing but yeah god I mean what you can give him a wee fine for that but nonsense really. were Cardiff I mean, fans a lot up of... in arms um, were they I, I mean they probably I... hate him anyway it's yeah. one of the only places I went to Cardiff when at the old Ninian Park when they had to take down all the fencing because of, you know, the laws, just basically because of big crowds where it was a danger. You know, post Hillsborough, it was a safety issue. Problem is, fans were getting pissed and coming to the game and just run on at Cardiff. So I was warming up as a Plymouth fan. They beat us 4-0. 
lads running on just like giving digs to subs and stuff so I'm like going, oh, fuck that I'm not warming up Paul Sturrock's going get warmed up you're coming on I'm like I'm warm so I'll just go I'll go straight on and then I just remember yeah just remember the fans run Ninian's one of these the most hostile I mean yeah. the only place it was more hostile was the Vetch field which was Swansea's and they had little kids that would sit behind you and the like chewing gum and sweets and suck sweets and just throw it in your hair like oh, when you're just sat on the bench, you're like going, this is nice, it's a nice yeah, place, it's, nice. it's lovely. I mean, oh, the memories. And also the Vetchfield was famously, there's a prison on one side and a, like a housing estate and you're just like walking down this tunnel just waiting to get mugged. But um, but glamour. yeah, so, so Cardiff and Swansea fans, uh, big yeah. fans of your clubs, yeah. guys. So please text I like them both equally, let us know. Yeah. which Lo- is a lot. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely uh, grounds now. I wish I wish QPR could play them every week. Obviously. Well, yeah, listen, Dan, yeah. what, is, what are you up to at the minute, Dan? Because we we remember last time you were on, or whenever we sp- we speak to you, booked. Yep. One has been out. Yeah, one has been out for about eighteen months, and we're we're writing uh, the follow up now. Sensational. It, it was it was successful enough for that. That's great. Uh, it's called Second Yellow: The Lovely. Further The Further Adventures of Our Football Heroes. Um, yeah, I'm. No, I'm, I'm doing a little chapter on, um, on the dressing room. No. <laughs> the dressing room. The dressing room at the moment. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you more of that. Also, um, we do the Football Legends podcast, That's right, yeah. which is which is going out weekly. So uh, on I Spotify. Hope, yeah, so we'll be able to link to that. I'm sure they won't mind. Yeah, uh, <laughs> probably fine. But yes, yeah, a very different beast. It's more just stories about. Uh, the autobiographies that you wrote about in the yeah, first book. Yeah, just the sort of the weirdest stories that we found. We did one recently, didn't we, about, um, about uh, what was the pigeon story recently? The pigeon story was, uh, Ch- oh, what's his name? Ch- played with Chuck Charnley. Chick Charnley, Chick Charnley yes. Oh, that, oh that was it, yeah, because his, his manager, well, I won't, I won't say too many details, but his, his manager at Partick did something quite strange with a pigeon in the dressing room at full time once. <laughs> okay, it's really yeah. good. Yeah, it's good. worth listening to that one. Mark, where, where can we find you this week? You usually pop up somewhere. Yeah, uh, popping up on TalkSport. Doing a show with Danny Kelly on a oh, Sunday. Superb. He's great. He's brilliant. Yeah, he, he drags brilliant. the best out of you, doesn't he? He also, uh, I didn't know this so recently, he was the founder of Football 365. He was. was he really? Yeah, uh, who I'm doing a show with at the moment. Um, first, we start February the 20th. So, weekly show goes out. Football 365 is a video broadcast show. Uh, it's a twenty-minute show about uh, about football. Would you believe? Well, that's what you're good at. Listen, uh, pleasure to have you both on, Mark. As always, Dan. Cheers, Grits. Again, thank you. Uh, we'll speak to you next week, guys. Cheers. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.